But given the COVID events, we have an opportunity to take a step back and say, okay, this was not good. We wish we didn't have to do this, maybe. But what did we learn from this? And what can we change as a result? Welcome to Learning Unboxed, a conversation about teaching, learning, and the future of work. This is Annalise Corbin, Chief Goddess of the Past Foundation and your host. We hear frequently that the global education system is broken. In fact, we spend billions of dollars trying to fix something that's actually not broken at all, but rather irrelevant. It's obsolete. A hundred years ago, it functioned fine. So let's talk about how we reimagine, rethink, and redesign our educational system. So today on Learning Unboxed, we're super excited because we get to tackle a topic we've never actually talked about on this program before, although we allude to it frequently when we talk about education. And so today we're going to talk about what the heck does it mean to be willing to be a school board member, to run for school board, the, the whole component of serving. Um, it's a big, giant lift, and we're going to try to to help everybody understand what, what is it that a school board does, why is it really important, and why are folks, you know, compelled and willing um, to serve in their local communities in this capacity. And joining us today, uh, we have three new school board members, and that's the other sort of thing. We also wanted to be able to have a chance to sort of gauge, was this what you thought it was going to be? And so that should be a fun conversation uh, with all of our guests. And so we're excited to have with us today John Jones, um, who is with Huron City Schools. And John is an experienced business owner with a history of working in marketing and advertising industry and is also a former Huron City Council member. So welcome, John. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And joining John is Dr. Tina Pierce, who is with Columbus City Schools as a board member. And Tina is a program manager for the John Glenn College of Public Affairs at The Ohio State University and is also CEO and founder of WORTH, which is Working Through Obstacles, Reaching True Heights Foundation. And um, we're thrilled to have Tina joining us as well. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. And um, joining both John um, and Tina is Lori Trent, um, who serves on the Upper Arlington School Board. And Lori is the communications and development guru, actually with a past foundation. So she's part of our staff. Also an art teacher and active community member, as well as a seasoned business professional. So Lori, uh, thank you for joining us as well. Well, thank you for having me as well. All right. So for all of you, I want to start by acknowledging and saying thank you for your willingness to serve. I think that one of the things that lots of folks might not fully understand about the notion of serving on a school board is uh, not only is it an elected endeavor, but it's one that um, almost always is tied to a personal passion around doing what's best for our community and the kids in our community. And it is not. It is not a small endeavor. So first and foremost, thank you to all of you for being willing to, to serve in this capacity. So I want to launch with that, um, with the same statement to all of you. Um, You know, what was your motivation? And so, Tina, I'd like to start with you, because as we we look at the sort of tile on my Zoom as we record this, um, we'll we'll start um, with your square, if you would. So, Tina, what was your motivation for running for a local school board? 
Thank you. This is a, a really great question. So my motivation really started because I'm a product of the Columbus City Schools. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a product of the district, I wanted to give back. I'm also an educator. And so on the college side, I was seeing our students come in and I was noticing, hey, if I would have just had the opportunity to work with you in high school, or if you would have known about this program mm-hmm. and this opportunity or this scholarship, man, it would have made your transition into college a hundred times different and better. Um, And so that motivation coupled with the fact that my husband and I had four children at the time who were in the district and they were in all grade levels. So we had a high schooler, a middle schooler and two elementary students. And going through that transition from elementary school to middle school and then transitioning into high school. And again, seeing where I could bring my expertise from the academic side, but also my insights as a parent, as an active and engaged parent um, would help to advance, you know, a lot of initiatives throughout the district. So given that motivation, I just thought it was a natural place for me to connect, to build bridges between parents and and our community by serving on the school board. Yeah. And I think that, um, you know, for every, every parent that got, has kids in a school district, you know, the hope is that they, they understand the complexities of all sides of that. So, um, I would imagine that, you know, from the parent perspective alone, you've learned a lot. Yes, um, I've learned quite a bit, and it's it's just been great to, again, um, learn more about those complexities. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to get into some of the weeds of those complexities here in a minute. So, John, same question back to you. Um, what was your motivation you know, for running um, to, uh, for school board? You know, I, I don't have the depth that uh, Tina mentioned. Um, I, I believe I bring a unique perspective. I was born and raised in Durham. But then I was gone for 46 years. But during that time, I visited at least once a year, almost every one of those years. So I've maintained a lot of friendships. I know a lot of people that have have students, have kids in school. And with my background in business, uh, and obviously the fact that there was, you know, there was an opening coming up, uh, I had already uh, had the opportunity to serve a short time on city council and just looked and thought, what can I do? I'm retired. What can I do to improve? Or or I shouldn't say that because that infers that there's something wrong, but I mean to just to look again at the school system in the area and do what I can the very best for for the city that I moved back to to retire in. So, you know, plus I love challenges. By <laughs> God, I've got it. Uh, thank you for that, John. Lori, same question to you. What was your motivation for running for school board? So mine's, um, I guess, a bit more personal. Um, Those of you who know me, I like to call the family meeting, right? So we all have input into whatever the topic of the day might be. And so when I was considering whether to run for school board, I called such family meeting. And we have twin boys that are juniors at the high school. So I feel it's really important to have kids in the school system, at least, you know, some of the board members. So I called this family meeting and my one son said, well, you talk about making education better all day long. So I think it's time you do something about it. (laughs) And so I was kind of taken aback. And then my second son said, yeah, what Skylar said. (laughs) So um, (laughs) the other member of our family, um, my wife, Kelly, was not quite so forthcoming. 
Um, but we got her on board. And besides that, it was three to one. So, you know, off we went. That was part of it. We're in the process of building um, some new buildings in Upper Arlington, which is wonderful. But you'll hear a bit of my past experience here, PAST, the, the institution I work for. Buildings are great and wonderful, but what are you doing inside the buildings? And so I really wanted to be a part of um, that change. And quite frankly, that's what I thought I would be spending the majority of my time on. And then we had this little COVID thing. So it's kind of, you know, shifted uh, the process a bit. But um, nonetheless, I'm, I'm there for the kids. If we didn't have kids, we wouldn't have schools. So that's my primary focus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you very much for that, Lori. You know, and I think just a bit of context for our listeners, because we have listeners who come um, to this program from all over the world, so we're very fortunate in that case. And um, But not everybody's necessarily going to understand where these places are that you each represent. So uh, again, just for a bit of context... You know, so the Upper Arlington Schools, which um, Lori, who was uh, just speaking with us, that's about 6,000 students in, you know, a pre-K-12 environment. And there are five elementary schools, two middle schools, and one high school in Upper Arlington, which is a suburb of Columbus City Schools. Columbus City Schools, on the other hand, is our state's largest um, school district um, with uh, approximately 51,000 students. And I believe uh, currently about 190 nine school buildings in a variety of different configurations stretch across a pretty broad metropolitan area. That's the other thing about Columbus. We are a very spread out city. We're not a, a dense um, or urban like, like many. And so um, the complexities of a giant urban, um, which Tina is serving on the school board, um, is very, very different, obviously, than, than, than Upper Arlington. And yet different again um, is Huron City Schools, um, where John um, is talking with us from. And there are about 1,400 students in four facilities, a high school, uh, a junior high school, which is a 7-8 configuration, um, an intermediate school, a 3-6, and a primary school, which is a pre-K-2. So we have this nice diversity of different types of school districts on this call today. Um, So, you know, without question, you all were going into serving on school boards, um, not just different districts, but I assume a different sort of set of, hey, here's what, you know, I know about school boards and what I anticipate being doing. And we're going to talk about the pandemic in a minute. So I want to set that aside and really sort of circle back around and and ask each of you, you know, when you decided to run and then were elected and suddenly find yourself on the school board. So, so what was the, what was the onboarding process? I mean, how do you, how do you know how to be a school board member, Tina? I mean, when I stand back and think, oh my gosh, I want to, you know, run to be school board on Columbus City schools, that is not a small thing to even contemplate, much less being willing to serve. So how how does the institution that is serving on a board, a school board, actually get you ready to do that? You know, so I have to give kudos to our school district because we take part in a number of different organizations that provide um, excellent professional development. One of those organizations is the Ohio School Board Association. So uh, very early on, I want to say maybe a day or two after the election, uh, our current uh, leadership, which included Gary Baker um, and... um, sent information to us and suggested that we take various professional development workshops, attend conferences that were offered 
through the Ohio School Board Association. Um, he also met with uh, myself along with Carol Beckerly. She was the other uh, new person elected to the board. Um, and he gave us a stack of paper, <laughs> a stack of books. Um, and, and it included a book on Robert's mm-hmm. rules. It included a on school board governance. In addition to that, we were also given, you know, this 400 page, you know, kind of uh, our policies, onboarding manual, you know, names of individuals, programs, committee structures. Um, so that was a, a, a quite daunting through all of that information. Um, but in addition to that, we're also uh, members with with the Great uh, Council of City Schools. And through that, we can also uh, partake in various professional development. And so what I can say is that our district and the outgoing leadership uh, really did a great job. Even though it wasn't in person, Mm -hmm. we did have these six hours or eight hour sessions where we sat down and asked questions and went through, you know, detailed information with them, they did uh, make accessible to us various opportunities to understand what our role was as, as board members. That's excellent. And at least help sort of set the stage for you to, to be better prepared. And I, and I assume, um, you know, um, Lori and John, same sort of thing. There was an onboarding process. And obviously, because we're all schools within Ohio, so the ability to tap into the Ohio School Boards Association and whatnot and those professional development opportunities Similar experience, different experience. And I, I toss it out, Lori and, and John, either one of you, uh, to chime in here. Similar experience, a lot of support from the OSBA. Um, in addition, in January, our board went on a retreat at a, a local state park. So we did an overnight together. Part of that was training for us, and part of it was to develop um, some synergy, you know, get to know one another, you know. And they they had a day and a half jam packed. <laughs> I mean, it was just one after the other. And I'm very thankful that COVID was in March so that we could kind of have this foundation because um, it really kind of got us up on the right foot. We had some marketing folks there, communication, legal, of course. And the thing that really hit me throughout this whole process, I don't know why I didn't stop to think about it, but there's a lot of legal stuff in this role. Mm -hmm. And so that was a majority of the training that we went through. And it's very nice to have the OSBA to support as well. And there's another new board member and I attended, it was an all-day session, I guess, for new board members. I think, Tina, you did that too. And maybe, John, you did in your area as well. So that's that was my experience. Yeah. John, you want to share anything for, for our listeners? I had actually attended board meetings for several years because of the intimacy and the size of our city, I I knew all the board members. I obviously had a really good, some good knowledge of how they ran, how the meetings ran, because I was present. I was also on the finance committee for the school for a little over a year before I, I became a school board member. Uh, and again, I think the experience on city council and the fact that I do know quite a few people, and I will definitely echo the OSBA has been uh, a big help. I found that, uh, and I might have the title wrong, but New School Board 101, I found that to be a, a really good experience. And actually, I stay in touch with several people that were in my little table at that at that session. We didn't really have any formal kind of training, or uh, but I think I'm the only new member that might have had some. Plus, again, I, I think I think we were all pretty comfortable with that. I had a knowledge of how the meeting was supposed to run. So I never felt like, oh, I need 
this, this, and this. And if I, I did have a question, I would call OSBA and they're, they are really wonderful uh, about answering questions and helping me make sure I don't do the wrong thing. We did recently have the governance workshop, which I think was really, if you haven't done that, I would suggest you doing that. I think that was really helpful for our treasurer, superintendent, and all of us. It, it, I learned some things, and I think all the board members at least got something out of it. So, yeah, that's, yeah. that's well, how that, I it, It's it. excellent to know that um, universally across our state, that as folks join school boards, um, that there there's a variety of resources that are available. And I can't imagine that, you know, we, we, we could contemplate a year where having resources available to you as a school board are more important than what we're we are all living through right now. So so Tina, let's let's circle back around because when you when you agreed to run <laughs> um, and we're elected, you know, none, none of us had any idea that a global pandemic was headed our way or the impacts that it was going to have, um, not just, you know, on the district at large, but, you know, right down to the individual child and the families. And, you know, it's different from neighborhood to neighborhood. And so I really want to start with you and the complexities of a district that is so large trying to sort out. And as a board member, let's talk a little bit because I want folks to understand understand that the role of the board versus the role of the rest of the district administration as it relates to making decisions, right? And sort of who and where sort of the, that piece. So from Columbus City School Board perspective, what's the board's role in helping the district effectively manage what's happening inside of a global pandemic as it relates to, you know, all the participants um, in the district? You know, that is a, a great question. I mean, Spot on question. Um, one, you know, as as a parent and product of the district, I had served on site based council for Dominion Middle School uh, for Clinton Elementary. So, you know, I had my parent hat on, and I knew what I do as a parent, and I knew um, how I had to go through, you know, the principal, and then through, you know, the directors, and to get uh, various things for our schools through. Um, and then my service kind of evolved and I served on our policy review committee for a number of years and I understood the complexity of policies. Mm-hmm. Uh, policies relating to, for example, what would be our discipline policies? You know, how would we handle um, students who are gender nonconforming, mm-hmm. right? And so with, with all of that in my toolkit, I was like, okay, you know, <laughs> What can happen? What are you going to hit me with? And COVID happened. And what's really important to know is you're so right. There is an administrative role mm-hmm. and then a school board role. And as much as I want to, as an educator, to come in and say, here's what we need to do in this particular situation. For example, here's what OSU was doing and here's right. how we've you know, responded to the six feet distancing and we have hand sanitizers on every floor at every elevator. And that's really the role of administration Mm -hmm. to say, here's our planned response. And they present it to us as the board. What I have found so critically important in my service as a board member is to ask the right questions. And in asking those questions, I'm able to challenge our administration to think out of the box, to do more, to push themselves just a little further 
So I'll, I'll give you a, a great example. One of the things that we're dealing with when we came to the COVID situation was we left schools abruptly. Right. You know, mm-hmm. that I can remember the day it happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, our youngest son was at Kaz. He It was a normal school day for him. And we were told, you know, hey, we have this pandemic that's kind of hitting. We don't know what's going to happen, but we're going to send the kids home for a little bit. And in my gut, I told him, bring everything home that's in your locker. Mm-hmm. Bring your instrument, bring everything home. And he was kind of a taken aback by that. But uh, again, that response for me was, we don't know what's yet to come. And so even in that response, as a school board member, I could not call my superintendent and say, hey, do you, you know, I know they're leaving. We tell all the kids to take all of their stuff. You know, I can recommend that the kids take all of their stuff, but it's up to the administration Mm -hmm. to really that ball rolling. And so, um, you know, things when I I asked a question the other day about hand sanitizer, Mm -hmm. you know, how, when we do go back to school, how do we ensure that families have the right information about what types of hand sanitizer to bring into a building? You know, Mm -hmm. is it the have 60% alcohol? What's the level of alcohol? Where will those hand sanitizer stations be? We have to ensure that kids aren't sharing Mm -hmm. hand sanitizer. One could have a fragrance, one could not. And so asking those questions around what is our response going to be and how are we going to respond is so critically important. I've been fortunate enough to be in a position where because I color outside of the lines, um, as some people would say, and because I think so outside of the box, you know, I do get my colleagues and the superintendent to, to think about the question. That I ask and say, okay, maybe there is a different route that we can take. Maybe there is a different road to resolve this particular issue. But knowing again what my role as a board member is versus what the administration's role is is critically important. It is absolutely important. And and John, I wanna I wanna transition the same question back over to you. You know, Tina representing the biggest district in the state. And, you know, as you've pointed out already, you are in a more of an intimate um, scenario. So what does that same sort of relationship and the lines around that relationship look like um, in a tiny district by comparison? You know, it's the same type of thing that, um, and probably one of the more difficult ones coming from a business background for me to comprehend completely is, is that chain of command. Because you do sit on the edge of your chair sometimes go, why don't they do this? Why don't they do that? Um, <laughs> I, it, to go back to the, the beginning, like back in March, I was um, visiting our four schools. I was on my last school. I don't have 109, so it was pretty easy for me. Um, <laughs> I was at the intermediate school the day that, that it was announced that we were you know, going to close the schools. and. They originally asked me if I wanted to still come. And I said, if you don't mind, I would like to come. So I was trying to meet the teachers and meet people. And I think it gave me a unique opportunity to see kind of in an unusual circumstance how everybody was reacting. Now, I wasn't, you know, Mm -hmm. please don't get me wrong. I wasn't there to do that. I wasn't on a mission. But, you know, I stayed out of the way. Uh, I offered to help any way I could. A couple of times they asked me to do a few things. I don't like to get a book or something, whatever. 
but I, I never once even thought about telling the principal what to do or could he get everything under control. Everything was going smooth. The kids, you know, they were, there was no panic. Uh, everything was handled. I, I was there until the last child left. I saw him get on the bus. I saw the parent pick up I, and I was really proud of what I saw. And I remember telling the superintendent, you know, I was, I was there in a very unique time. Mm-hmm. Like, like Tina kind of alluded to, we didn't know that they were going to be gone the rest of the school year. What what was the original plan? 30 days or, I mean, it was, it was kind of time bound initially. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, it, it just worked for me that I just happened to be, had arranged to be there on that day. And I'm really happy I did because I did. I think I saw more in a very short period of time than unfortunately than I've been able to see like since. Because again, as, as you kind of alluded to is, well, I was only in office officially for two months. Right. And then bam, there's nobody in the schools and we're still trying to operate, you know, Zoom me. <laughs> very unique. Many times I feel like I'm behind the eight ball because I haven't been, you know, I didn't get to participate in graduation. I didn't have the opportunity to volunteer or go to a pro, you know, I, I, all those things have come and gone and I don't have knowledge other than the outside knowledge that I had. So I'm not complaining. I mean, I've, I've definitely learned a lot and, and I, I really have, I have voiced my opinion. I am good at that and I have questioned things. But I feel like when I'm questioning something, it's I'm not trying to be critical. I'm trying to learn. I'm trying to do what I think a school board member needs to do and what the community is looking for me to do. I hope that answered you. Oh, absolutely. And thank you for that. Uh, absolutely. And Lori, so the, the the district in between these two two sizes, right? And also um, of suburban different uh, suburban district, you know, versus an urban and a rural. And so what what is that sort of intersection between your role and work and what's going on in a suburban school district um, from a leadership standpoint? Where where do you sort of see that same sort of balance point? Um, Well, similar to what Tina was saying, I asked lots of questions as well, because I think just different viewpoints and perspectives and trying to build consensus and to collaborate with people. And, you know, maybe I have a ridiculous idea, but somebody else feeds off of it and says, well, maybe let's think about this, right? But I also agree with both Tina and John in that you kind of have to know your place in a way, Mm -hmm. you know, so yeah, we are the bosses, (laughs) of the district someone you know has said that over the years and but but collectively we're a board right so i don't have any more say than any of the other board members and so um that i think was something i had to get a little bit used to not that i ex- i don't know what i expected i just hadn't um anticipated that it would take a lot of nurturing and connecting and maybe cajoling at times And making sure that you're not coming across as that board member, you know, like that parent at the sports event (laughs) just won't, you know, keep under control. I don't want that, but it's more of a, did we think of this? And what if we tried this? And, you know, you kind of have to pick your battles a little bit and figure out which hill you're willing to die on. And the community in which I live we have very opinionated, very strong, a very well-educated community. And everyone is 
somewhat accustomed to getting what they want. And so there's no one answer right now. I mean, it, if you pick this solution, then these people are upset. And and it's um, it's an interesting space to be in because I'm clearly not a health official or a health uh, professional. And so having to try to make these decisions for all of the students, it, it's problematic. And it's, um, you know, all of us, I think, care very deeply for the students in our community and don't want to see any one of them suffer. But there's no one solution that works right now. It's just a totally crazy situation. It is, it is. And I think that rather than get started getting into the weeds about each of the different districts' response to COVID, because the reality is, you know, none of us were planning on this pandemic. It hit, it came, and every single one of the district's scenarios that you're living with as it relates to your students and, you know, access and options and alternatives and scenarios are as, um, as you know, as, as broad as the state is right and so i you know i i think that i would would really love to hear from each of you as we sort of close out you know um the program today you know what would what is your message as a school board member to your local community um you know sort of your parting shots about um you know the the work a that that you serving on the school board are doing but more importantly the work and and the effort that the school board that you represent as a body is doing as it relates to doing what's always in the best interest of the kids during during a really, really trying time. And whether it's a pandemic or anything else that comes along within our communities, um, you know, the the work of the boards is, is always central with that in mind. So, so John, I'm actually going to toss back to you first, sort of what would you like your community to know about the the work that you you as an individual are doing on the board, but more importantly, the work the board is doing in the middle of a global pandemic? I would say that we really are dedicated to get the whole story. Before, before we uh, make a decision, for instance, when we, we did vote to go to hybrid instead of remote at the very beginning, um, and now there's a, you know, a new issue has come up, I, I really do feel like we're trying to get what do the parents think, what do the students think, and really importantly, where do the teachers find themselves in this? You know, are we... Have we done a good job keeping them uh, healthy or at least let them hope that they feel that we're doing what needs to be done? When I say we, I mean our district, that we do care about their health and safety. And so their their opinion on what we do here on, depending on what, you know, where how we're going to deliver instruction, whether we're going to go full time um, or go remote, whatever, whatever it is. That we're we're taking all these things into consideration, and we're not knee jerk and reacting if if it appears that most of the community want us to open full time. But that's part of the story. And as I've tried to relate to a couple of people recently, why do they feel that way? It, you know, what to me, it's got to be a valid reason for all five of us, not just me. We have to. If we're going to change a method, we, we, we have to make sure it's the right decision from as much information as we can get. And not just because everybody around us is doing it. Um, because if we make a decision and we find out later, the teachers, you know, we didn't want to do that. We don't, we can't have all those people in the room. To me, that's important for us to, to know. 
I feel confident that's what we're trying to do. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you for that, John. Um, Lori, um, back back to you on on that same one. What what is the what is the message that you want to send to the community as it relates to the work that you as an individual uh board member and as the board as a whole is doing as it relates to finding themselves in a crisis? Because, you know. And this is the case, I assume, for all 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 three districts. But it 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 it's not been smooth sailing for anybody. Let's be completely honest, right? And it has not been for anybody controversial free, because <laughs> that's just the nature of the beast, right? So, so Lori, what what is it you want to share with us? So, what I'd like to share is um, my constituents are the students. Plain and simple. I kind of said it a little bit earlier. If we didn't have students, we wouldn't have schools. So I think it's critically important that we really, really focus in on what do the students need and want? And how are they different from we adults, especially some of the baby boomers like my generation? Because (laughs) education has been delivered the same for 150 years. And that doesn't meet the needs of all of our students. Um, a percentage, perhaps. But given the COVID events, we have an opportunity to take a step back and say, okay, this was not good. We wish we didn't have to do this, maybe. But what did we learn from this? And what can we change as a result, right? And um, I just think having, you know, kids are very resilient. I mean, they embrace change a lot better, quite frankly, than adults do. Mm-hmm. And so let's let's just kind of rally around that, understand that it is not an optimal situation. I can guarantee you every board of education is doing the best they can possibly do. And we'll get through it and we'll be stronger on the other side. But people don't like living in the gray. It's difficult. And there's so many unknowns. So it's hard to tell. There's so much information. You can, you know, refute any argument out there with another piece of you know, news or an article or something. So I guess that's what, and I really mean that in my very heart, that it is about the students and it is about the teachers to some extent too, but they're formulating our students and our leaders for tomorrow. So that's why we're all there. And I think that's where the focus needs to be. Yeah, thank you for that um, very much, Lori. So, so Tina, we're gonna we're gonna close with your thoughts because um, you know it goes without saying that you know large districts, many many buildings, many many students um, come with added complexity. It doesn't diminish from the experiences or the work that's happening in any of the other communities of variety of sizes around the state of Ohio. It's just a realization. Um, that it, it, it's a it's multiple layers, I guess, if you will, of complexity, right? Maybe that's the fair way to put it. So what is it that you would like folks to know about the work um, during this trying time? Um, so what I would like folks to know is that our Columbus City Schools administration board and entire community that's including our families, our, our staff mm-hmm. and our students are rising up. Um, so During this time, I'm thinking about a a children's book and film that I absolutely loved Mm -hmm. when I was younger, The Red Balloon. Um, And that red balloon 
really captures what we're doing as a community right now. You know, we were moving a little slow because we didn't have the technology. So we had to, you know, leverage our partnerships with the Columbus uh, City, the City of Columbus to get additional Chromebooks mm-hmm. for our students. We didn't have hotspots for our students so through ATT and Verizon. We were able to get hotspots. You know, our community then partner alongside of us because we have a very engaging public um, engagement committee that has meetings every week with community members. And so even though there's times where parents will question um, our curriculum that we're using online, will question our plans to return back to blended learning, that engagement helps to fuel that balloon going up. That engagement helps our district become stronger because we're able to be agile and flexible and respond to those parent and community concerns in ways that meet the needs of our students and families. Um, Our staff is, is rising up again by having additional meetings. I mean, when you think about some of our teachers putting in their normal eight-hour day working with students remotely and then turning Mm -hmm. on their computers for additional six-hour day to work with our students in the digital academy. They're working 12 to 14 hours. We have bus drivers, um, you know, custodians, uh, secretaries that are calling families and calling students to make sure that they're getting online. So everybody's pitching in. We have food service workers that are providing not just one meal for the students when they come, but actually a week of meals when our students come. So they have the fuel that they need to do their best in the classroom. And so that's the central theme that our Columbus City Schools, though we're dealing with an uncertain times, we are rising up to the challenge and like that red (laughs) balloon, we might, you know, sway a little bit every now and then. We might stray from our owner, but we're committed to our owner. That friendship, that relationship is genuine and true. And we are here to meet the needs of our students and families as we rise up. So beautifully um, said. Thank you for that, Tina. And I want to thank all of you. Um, I want to end on that note because such an amazingly positive note in the midst of something so, so hard. And again, thank all three of you on behalf of everybody um, for your commitment to your schools, your willingness to serve, and your perseverance to continue on. So thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having us. Thank you for joining us for Learning Unboxed, conversation about teaching, learning, and the future of work. I want to thank my guests and encourage you all to be part of the conversation. Meet me on social media at Annalise Corbin and join me next time as we stand up, step back, and lean in to reimagine education.